0: Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Indie Talks podcast. My name is Tom Kozchinski, your host and today I'm joined by Gaspar Sopi, my dear friend, a designer, world traveler, a freelancer, digital nomad and all-around amazing guy and I'm so happy that he will be sharing some of his stories and experiences with us. I'm going to be asking him a bunch of questions and we're just going to see where this goes. So, uh, hi Gaspar, can you please introduce yourself and then we're we'll going to just start
1: hi tom Uh, first of all thanks uh so much for inviting me to our podcast it's really an honor to be here and be able to to continue our conversations that we usually have which are like very very dear to me and very engaging so i'm really excited to be um with this opportunity and you know to, to to take this podcast to where it's where it has to be uh so regarding me i mean you said uh, basically, the overall kind of my, my uh, professional profile, which is in the creative industry in design. I started off in early 2000 as a web designer and then moved uh, to branding and marketing. Uh, eventually, specialized in digital marketing, was working for a bunch of agencies in Croatia where I was based at that time uh went briefly to spain to uh sort of uh, you know expand my horizons and uh continue my education did a master there in uh, cognitive systems systems and interactive media uh came back to croatia and then uh figured out that sort of the industry the creative industry and the digital industry software development uh was picking up so i called uh, on a, a a friend of mine and uh, suggested to him that we, we should kind of you know take, take advantage of, of this opportunity so we decided to uh, found a software development uh, and design agency um, and we also partnered with another uh, with another sort of a friend of, of the friends was the third co-founder that was happening in late 2012 uh, built the agency until 2016, and then I decided sort of to go traveling and and switch to the remote kind of um, organization. And basically, I've been on the road uh, ever since. Uh, you know, in the spare time, I do I continue to do consulting, but I also kind of ventured into different uh, interests. You know, like uh, investing and photography and things that sort of you know I enjoy doing and uh, not necessarily for monetary reasons.
0: Yeah, cool, okay. Uh, let's start with you coming back from Spain and deciding to start an agency. Uh, you started from scratch, right?
1: Yeah, I guess you can, you can say that. I mean, uh, at that point I was already kind of, uh, had built a sort of an, a name, if I can say that, in the, in the sort of uh, creation market uh, having, having gone through a couple of agencies. So I had a sort of a broad network of, uh, of, uh, contacts and people and coworkers. So it wasn't really like from scratch, scratch because I wasn't like a new, I was already, uh, at that point, I was already like 10 years into the, into the business. Uh, but it was, uh, uh, from scratch in terms that it was bootstrapped. So I was investing my own money and time. Uh, we didn't have any backing. So it was kind of in that sense, it was it was building from from zero, yeah.
0: So you had ten years of work experience before starting your own business.
1: Yeah, I was about ten years,
0: a little what, bit more. Can you do? Can you recall what was the main driver to make a decision to go from okay, I'm a employee, I'm doing real well, people know who I am, know about my work, and what was the main driver to make you do the switch and say okay, I'm gonna now do my thing, and just go. So.
1: Uh, I kind of lost you there on the couple of uh, seconds. So if you can repeat the question, maybe that's better for your editing.
0: Sure. Okay. So So what was the main
1: driver? Yeah.
0: So what was the main driver for you to go from uh, being a full-time employee and like being good at what you do, making a name for yourself to make a switch and go and start your own thing? Like what, 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 what was the main driver to make that decision? All right.
1: Yeah, so uh, I think there was a couple of reasons. Uh, one of them was I always felt I wasn't able to assert my vision on how things should work in a creative agency, you know. Uh, it was always a struggle to figure out with all your superior, uh, superiors, you know, what is the best way to do, to do the job, you know. Uh, it was it was always kind of difficult to get your vision out there. So uh, for me, that was uh, that meant to make uh, more compromises than uh, than I thought were uh, useful to to my work and to my development as a designer at that time uh, or a creative professional. So that was one one part was like, hey, you know, how can I how can I do my best work? How can I create an environment where I can do my best work without having it killed down by you know by the levels above uh, the you know the decision makers in the agency the second was which is kind of related to this one uh you know basically i always thought that uh like being a boss in you know in in a creative environment uh is everything but being a boss it's more like it should be like hey you know you're you're the guy that kind of it's pushing everybody to do their best best work and uh, you're not kind of being bossy, but you're kind of being this very, I don't know how to say, like nurturing force that just allows others to, to you know, to progress and to sort of become the best version
0: uh, of themselves. And so so I you basically like, create the environment for the people to do their best work.
1: Yeah. And I always thought like the bosses that I had were like not really not fitting this expectation or this vision. So I thought maybe I can be uh, someone like that. Uh, and, you know, I always had like ideas how, how an organization like a company should, should work, that it shouldn't be always like money comes first, but more like um, seeing it as a playground. You know, at that point, like Google was kind of the idea of a, of a company culture which allows people, and, you know, this is like 10 years ago, right? Almost 10 years ago. So it wasn't uh, so many companies that were doing kind of following the same culture, which is, Hey, let's make work more like play rather than just, you know, grinding and then, you know, working paycheck to paycheck. And then you go back home and then you do, you actually start to live and do the things you love. Like, can we actually make a company where people come to do what they love and that would do it, that would even maybe pay to be there instead of just, you know, working for the salary. That was the vision, you know, so very idealistic.
0: Okay. Well, did, you, did you make your vision come true then?
1: Well, I think uh, at one point um, it, it started to look like it was uh, uh, coming true. But um, I think that I kind of um, started to, the thing that, discouraged me was that in order to arrive to a point where actually you can do much more and where that vision can actually start to materialize strangely I found myself being more alike to the bosses that you know I sort of disliked. so I was in order to create that environment in order to fulfill that ideal vision I sort of found myself having to be in a way that I was trying to avoid being, you know, in the first place. That was kind of like a very interesting uh, realization and very surprising uh, because it was obviously conflicting with the the idea. So, you know, like the the condition to to do what I wanted to do is to be what I didn't want to be. So. Uh, so at one point I said, okay, you know, I, I probably need to take a break and see, uh, you know, look, look, look all at all of this from a different perspective. And that's when I actually uh, started to kind of slow down the pace and I, you know, went traveling and sort of transformed the, the company, the agency into a work from home uh, kind of a business uh, and sort of for for the moment gave up on this. Uh, idea of having people physically in one place and trying to make this kind of a playground uh, so at,
0: at that point how many people did you actually have working in the physical office
1: Well, uh, at, at the top at the peak it was about 10 people
0: okay and then you said okay now we are not going to the office anymore i'm gonna go off i go travel the world whatever and how many yeah, people yeah. How did people react to that? Like, did they say like, okay, cool? Did you like, did they continue to do their work, or did you put the whole company in pause?
1: Yeah. So uh, I remember when I made this decision, I was having a, a vacation uh, on a remote island in the Indian Ocean, uh, and uh, I came back. I made that then a decision that you know I, I was I was we're going we're gonna sort of shift to a remote agency and I came back to Zagreb, uh, you know, gathered the team, and then I said, hey, look, you know, this is the thing. Uh, the world is changing. Uh, I am changing. We are changing. So, I, I think that actually we could do better work, and we could function better, and adapt to the environment if we decide to sort of uh, not come to the office, or make, like, office just uh, an optional place. So, you know, from now on, let's uh, let's try to do you know work from home uh, and see how it goes and then we did that like for about two two and a half months, but for some reason, uh people just uh, didn't have the necessary discipline and I think it was you know the the current setup of the of the the profiles that were working there were more sort of compatible with the idea of uh, working together because there people were young you know fresh out of college they didn't have the necessary discipline etc they needed a lot of guidance so things started to kind of um, break at one point in terms of efficiency uh, and then I said okay guys you know like for, for those of you that want to continue and have a conventional job at a company you know here's your severance package you know here's a couple of uh, you know, bonuses or whatever, you know, for you to, to manage the transition in the couple of months. Uh, and then a lot of people who were working there managed to get, you know, jobs abroad. Some went to, uh, Ireland, some, some went to Holland, you know, most of them were like zero to hero from zero to hero kind of guys and girls. Uh, and then a couple of them that were sort of more disciplined, we continued collaborating and we still collaborate today. But, you know, like I said, my focus has shifted a little bit. So, you know, the company now has uh, has its own management. I'm, I'm still kind of uh, the owner of the company, but I'm like not involved in operationally uh, on what's going on. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay. So uh, I had a chat a couple of weeks ago with CTO of one of the companies that I know, and he, they, during the, uh, the whole corona thing a lot of people had to stay at home and work from home and he had a lot of uh, ideas making people work from home more so he can be more competitive and also offer people flexible working stuff like that and he had a lot of pushback from his HR department saying if we allow people to work from home they will not be as disciplined they will not be as productive blah blah, blah. and a lot of those things kind of just Change because people are productive people. I think people are very conscious about their about their work. They want to be productive. They want to con- still contribute. I don't think that no. Nope, I don't think a lot of people consider like now I'm at home. I'm just not going to do anything and get my pay. I don't think people think like that. Just that, that's maybe I trust in believing people more. But uh, this is how I feel about a lot of people in this industry that people actually want to make uh, great stuff and want to do good work. So he kind of find himself in a position where people are actually working from home, being more productive. And how would you now, so now basically everybody needs to work from home and it's going to change. And I, I believe that a lot of companies will at some point just offer work from home as a, as a normal thing because it's been proven that it works. So how would you now choose, how would you divide the, the work? between who comes to the office, who works from home? How would how, how would you make a bigger company that has more than 10 people compatible in a way where some people want to work from home? Would you make it mandatory? Would you make it... Like, what would be your approach?
1: Yeah. So, uh, several aspects of, uh, of this issue, right? So, uh, one is that now the mentality is changing. Uh, you know, going back when I started off a couple of years ago, well, five, six years, uh, if you were not having an office, uh, you were kind of not considered a real company, right? So, a company without an office, at least in the mentality uh, that is currently kind of prevailing in this area of the world, which doesn't have a rich tradition of entrepreneurship in general, you know and let alone of virtual entrepreneurship or, you know, virtual kind of work from home, it's always kind of the, the brick and mortar was always considered superior to any kind of uh, digital work. Nowadays, even, you know, you've got kids that are making millions uh, from, uh, you know, working in the software development industry uh, and their grand grandmothers still want them to be doctors or, you know, like, hey, when are you going to have a real job? Because I don't understand <laughs> what are you doing with your... With your computer that's not a job right
0: yeah yeah so you yeah are, I, <laughs> I agree if you my come grandma,
1: home yeah
0: i just want yeah, to say my grandma, my grandma had the same uh same sentence with me like you are always on your computer because from her perspective uh my grandma was a seamstress so for from her perspective she would spend her entire day at the sewing machine so for her, it's like I'm sitting at this machine and doing one thing, and from her perspective, I'm sitting at a computer doing one thing. She just couldn't perceive that I can be doing hundreds of different things sitting at this one uh, machine. Yeah. So it was kind of it was this generational gap, right? I could understand like I can play a game, or I can learn, or I can work, or I can just you know there are a lot of stuff that you can do, and it took a while to to explain our world to her. So yeah, I agreed about brick and mortar being. Uh, in people's minds like oh you're a real company uh when when i started my first company with a friend of mine our first goal was to have a real office so we we invested our first money into renting a place buying all of the furniture buying the desks buying everything to be like proper office and my computer is still at the same desk so this is the desk that's been now 10 years old, and it's still as good as awesome. new and we got it. And it's a really good investment, but it was a big investment at the time, and we took a loan to get it. And we had an office, and in span of almost two years, I think we had total of like three meetings in our office. Like people didn't care. And a lot of our clients wanted us to come over to their office because they were brick and mortar uh, offices. So at the end of our first company run, we kind of realized that. It was a huge waste of time and resources and effort to have something that actually did not matter.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it did matter, but not for doing the job. It mattered for sort of, you know, that it mattered to the same extent why uh, people wear suits or drive, uh, you know. No, no, yeah, I understand it's the idea, like, but,
0: but for us, you it did For us, we we didn't get that effect. We didn't get like, oh, they have an office because we just could have put in the same address and nobody would be, because nobody came to our place. So it didn't make any difference. It was like, I'm sitting in an office in a, a, imagine that I'm sitting in a suit now in my home office. Like it wouldn't make any difference to anybody.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because nobody knew (laughs) that
0: we had an office and we had a custom paint job on the walls and and it was like really nice, but nobody ever saw it apart from our friends. Maybe you were
1: ahead of time. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. That's how I've been feeling since I was in grade school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the world will catch up with you.
0: Yeah, sooner, and you too. Sooner
1: rather than later. Yeah.
0: So <laughs> yeah, anyway, okay. yeah, just to continue
1: yeah. on, on that tangent, I mean, uh now it's it's the conditions are much more favorable now to sort of uh create a normal, regular, efficient team with people working from home because uh no longer people you know treat uh office-less companies as you know being not serious now now it's kind of becoming the mainstream thing you know work from home so the mentality is shifting you know but five years and you know in in the in the work that we do in our industry five years that's kind of like a a century you know in 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 more traditional sense you know because in five years things change
0: so yeah yeah absolutely one thing that i like to hear in in london is that a lot of companies uh regardless of their size they're mostly renting uh like a place in a co-working space like they have an office but it's in, within the same building and then we would just meet in the you know hot desking area or uh, just rent out a meeting room so <clears throat> again i kind of in the last couple of years i didn't I th- I don't think I ever went to a company that has their own like, you know, big office thing. Everybody was like kind of downsizing already. And now mm-hmm. it feels that it's going to be even more and more like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's uh, what comes to mind is um, I mean, the WeWork concept, not, not getting into the WeWork uh, business, but the uh, WeWork concept, it was uh, obviously, you know, it was, Getting a lot of traction before the whole thing blew blew off you know with all the management issues, but it it wasn't about it wasn't that the demand was lacking it it was more that the you know there were some management issues et cetera, and then came the the pandemic et cetera but more and more people were sort of abandoning the idea of you know having this kind of a fixed office and were more into hey you know let's just have like a all across the city like a bunch of distributed places where i can just come in with my laptop plug it in and to my knowledge like we work was trying to sort of steer the ship more towards business to business in terms of being like a hub that would offer sort of very flexible in and out office space to big corporations like you know whatever google oracle to all of these uh you know um how can i say that conventional businesses with offices because the 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 working the style of working has changed people are people are starting to be more mobile they want to you know they want to experience other places travel has become cheap so you want to be able to be working for a company but not necessarily in one place, and you know, today you'll be working from London, but maybe tomorrow you want to go to Dublin, and you don't want to—you don't want to change jobs. You know, you just want to change, you know, the, the the sort of geographical place where you're working. So I think that's going to kind of be the future. I, I still I this this doesn't mean that you know having an office doesn't make sense, but it's going to be to a lesser extent I think uh, than than you know yeah. we, we we are used to thinking.
0: Yeah, I'm interested to see what will happen with companies like, uh, you know, big law firms or or big traditional businesses like that that had expensive high street offices that were paying tons of money for it. And basically, in the last couple of months, they were working the same work they did without those offices. So how about you charge me less because you don't need to be working from a gold-plated crystal tower. You can just be working... Your people can work from home, and how about you charge me less for the same service? Maybe that that will change as well. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking just this morning when I woke up,
1: uh, I was thinking, how can I how can I make money on this uh, uh, new shift in in terms of uh, work workspace and workplace? Like, how can I probably would make uh, this is not a financial advice, but it would make sense to short. Uh, on the long term to short the real estate business because I think a lot of companies are just going to say, well, you know, there's a better way to use this money instead of, you know, paying expensive rent. And basically, not, what what Corona has shown is that um, it's, it's absolutely possible and probably even more productive uh, to let just people, you know, work at their own pace and they will usually do uh do the best work when they are kind of you know they know their own rhythm they know how they work they know you know if somebody is like more a night owl you know they will be more productive between midnight and you know 5 a.m right somebody's going to be more productive in the morning and you know having an office kind of is kind of an artificial way to bring people together which doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna you know they're gonna click uh, of course, you're gonna always have people that that are gonna take advantage of this. They're gonna pretend that like they're working, but they're not and whatever. But I think over time you uh, you should be able to identify these problems and then it's it's kind of, I, I have a lot of uh, um, trust in, in complex systems to sort of handle things on their own. So if there's someone who's taking advantage then the other co-workers are gonna sort of you know try to uh, fix this problem in a certain way and and soon you're gonna see who is the troublemaker and then you deal with that you know then of course uh, it will like, level hey. out on
0: its own it's going to balance out and then you will just pick out who's not being productive and just replace them and
1: that's it or replace them or offer education or say like hey you know we've noticed that you'll be having problems with transitioning to the new to the new style so you know this is what you can do if you're willing to take sort of a uh, you know sort of a course in in managing time or whatever uh, and then you know go through a series of uh, of educational points uh, and if if you show some of the some some progress then yeah you can keep the job but if not then sorry you know find something else
0: yeah I agree cool I'm gonna I'm gonna change the subject now because uh, you said at one point you stopped and moved to wanted to travel the world so because i know that you travel the globe extensively for years and i like to use you as an example of a real digital nomad because i know some people that are like my parents live in a city next to mine and sometimes i go to my mom's for lunch and i take my laptop i'm a digital nomad like no you're not <laughs> you're not a digital nomad just because you bring your laptop to your mom's apartment and you send an email from there but i believe the true digital nomads are people like yourself that actually have a backpack and nothing else and then actually you know uh travel the world and for people watching this uh i want to just mention that you traveled uh by foot last year the entire uh track called uh San, camino el camino, camino yeah, that, de Santiago, yeah that's one so that was i think an amazing thing and i don't think a lot of people realize that they can actually do the same thing uh, a lot of people have this mindset oh i have a lot of obligations a lot of stuff to do my their life gets in the way and they can't make that pause and break from life especially if they are working in traditional going to the work going to office kind of job and it's like hard to take oh i'm going to take three months off six months off travel the world but i know that you've been telling uh speaking a lot about traveling being the most cheapest way to live actually and uh i would like you to expand more on this yeah well it's true i mean
1: yeah it's true and it's not true depends on uh how you travel and where you travel obviously right but if we are uh if we are saying is it easier to live um a life which is sort of uh grounded in freedom and the ability to move and the ability to explore uh is it easier to live that kind of life is it is it easier to uh, to sort of manage uh your expenses in that sense compared to having a life where you have a mortgage a car uh you are you know uh sort of plugged in into the normal city life with so many distractions and so many sort of baits uh, that, that, you know, constantly are required from you to sort of, you know, take out your wallet and, and pay for things, you know, going to the movies, just, you know, the bar culture, whatever, you know, all of these things slowly, you know, the, in the conventional life, they amount to a lot of uh, uh, spending. Which, which you don't realize because, you know, it's just like bits and pieces here and there. But over time, you know, in the course of the month, they sort of, you know, they sort of uh, make a big chunk of, of your spending. So I don't know uh, whether you personally have ever, you know, sort of uh, kept stats on how, where you spend, uh, spend your money. But I was like, at one point, I was really big on that. So I was just, you know, keeping my spreadsheet and just analyzing and using a bunch of, online tools to just figure out where my money is going and then it turns out that you're you know look the luxury stuff all the stuff that you don't actually need sort of they go to 70 80 of all your expenses you know yep and so when when you sort of cut down on this uh which you have to cut down if you're like a backpacker and you're going you know you're going to uh, I don't want to use the term third world countries, but less developed areas of the world where you pay two or three bucks for a, a hostel with a, you know, with a pool and a breakfast included, or you paid, you know, $2 for a, for a two course meal with a drink, you know, it kind of, uh, it's, it's definitely much, much more affordable to travel. And then, you know, you can, you know, I mean with couch surfing, with all kinds of other websites that allow you to exchange your skills for, for board, for, you know, for accommodation. It's I think it's clear once you set set foot on that path that it's it's much cheaper to, to travel than to have a, own a house, pay rent or you know, drive a car.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh to answer your question about tracking my expenses when I've been tracking expenses for a couple of years before moving to UK. And then when we moved here, my wife and me, uh, we were tracking literally everything, both of us, like both of our, like we have separate accounts for our salaries, but we are tracking everything in one app. So we can track the total income and total, total, uh, all the expenses and everything. And the thing is we tracked everything. I know exactly where every, Uh, penny went but we didn't make any change based on the knowledge that we obtained from that so we we were aware that yes we spend this amount for rent this amount for utilities this amount for uh, restaurants drinks theaters whatever but we decided like these are the things that we actually want to spend on and these are the things that we work for so we didn't plan on making any changes in the immediate future so we said how about we just stop tracking because it doesn't make any sense like our income was uh greater than ex- the, than our expenditures which th- that was fine so we said okay we are living the life that we want to be living we don't we, we don't do any grand uh we we are not hooked on like brand stuff so like i buy 20 bucks sneakers and I don't give a shit. So, uh, and I wear a hoodie that's like a couple of pounds. Uh, so we are not on on brands. We don't spend a lot of stuff on luxury stuff. I have my computer, I have my phone and that's basically it. We're good. Uh, so we are saving a lot of money just by being type of people that don't care about luxuries, which is, I think, great. I know some people like really enjoy expensive watch, expensive shoes, expensive whatever. For me, it never had any appeal. So I think, uh it's a good thing for yeah. uh, for my uh, savings, so it kind of uh, keeps me afloat. But uh, we said that we are going to be thinking about uh, shifting some of the income towards uh, either long-term savings or investments and stuff like that. So you mentioned that you at one point uh, started thinking more about investments, less about actually doing the business. Uh, and... We did uh, a workshop a couple of years back on uh, being basically. Uh, I talked about being self-employed. You talked about being financially independent. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, how did you went from okay, I'm managing an agency, to uh, I need to calculate how much money I have to be financially dependent with the lifestyle that I want to have? Like, how did you yeah. make that decision?
1: So, like I said, I was always uh, quite uh, discipline in terms of understanding my costs and ever since i was a kid i knew that you know what i wanted to do is i want to travel i want to understand you know why the fuck are we on on this planet you know what's kind of what's the point of being born and then going through a lot of struggle which people you know obviously go through some more some less but you know like life is Generally, I mean, life is good, but for some people, life is really terrible. So why, you know, what what trying to understand those two opposites? That was kind of my drive, and I knew that, you know, like I was born in a in a small country in the Balkans, Kosovo, barely two million people. It was barely, it wasn't even a country when I was when I was born. So I was, <laughs> you know, it was a part of a, of another country which then stopped being a country you know uh the conditions were you know like i wasn't born in a in a rich family and i was always thinking you know mostly self-made of course with the help of friends and family and you know but mostly you know trying to to pull myself by my own boots bootstrapping myself so um I always knew that money can buy me freedom. You know, it's, it's not about the money. It's money is just was just like, like a, a means to an end. So what I was interested was, you know, was gaining freedom. Uh And then I, I quickly realized uh, through my employment that even though I can have a nice life as an employee, it's not gonna take me places. It's not gonna, I'm gonna always be dependent on on the boss and the boss is gonna be dependent on the you know on his clients the clients are gonna be dependent on the overall uh economy in that place so like I was like I have to do something on my own and that's why I started to you know work on my business um managed to save some money there uh and then as I was as I was having some extra cash I started to think Because, you know, in order to think about investment, you have to first have some cash to invest. If you are living paycheck to paycheck, you know, it's fine, investment, stock market, whatever. But, you know, if if you don't have uh, money to put aside, you know, investment is is not going to work. It's not going to work for you, at least not in the near term, in the long term, of course. So basically, you know, I didn't I didn't go and do what most people would do when they sort of uh, achieve certain success in entrepreneurship, which is, you know, buy a fancy car or buy a, uh, you know, invest in property or things like that. I didn't do that. I was still driving my old uh, shitty Peugeot from, you know, from the last century, literally last century, 1999 manufactured, you know. Uh and I was saving the money and investing and then um uh, my approach was like, okay, you know, uh instead of me working for money, I'm gonna try to make money work for me. Um and that's that's basically what uh you know what the whole idea is. So in order in order to sort of achieve financial independence, most people think you have to have a lot of money, which is not true. You need to have enough money to sustain your lifestyle, which means that you know, this enough is very subjective, but it means essentially that you determine what is enough for you. So you have the power to decide how much or how little you want to spend in life. I I am usually, you know, I kind of follow the Zen Buddhist uh, philosophy. And so in this sense, I'm like a minimal guy. I don't, I don't need too much luxury, like you said, um, you know, like just wearing simple stuff, not, not really being a slave to brands or whatever external validation or not trying to impress anyone. Uh, it's like focusing the interest on, on more substantial stuff than, you know, how you look or what you're wearing or things like that. And so in that sense, for me, uh, you know, not having millions doesn't mean not being able to be free because there are ways to be free without having millions. And one of the ways to be free without having millions is to really lower down your cost base for most people. It's very anxious, not, you know, like not to have a, not to have their own place. There's a lot of insecurity in people, you know, to just think, just think about, you know, not knowing what's going to happen next month would put people into a panic attack, you know? And so it's very hard for, for, you know, it's very hard to do that shift in in sort of in mentality and also to then take action towards financial independence because it requires to make sort of uh sacrifices which are short-term painful in the sense that you might have to leave some stuff behind but long-term uh it's it's kind of a gain you know so it's kind of like short-term pain for the long-term gain and a lot of people are not willing to do that for the same reason that a lot of people are not entrepreneurs because being an ent- or, or professional athlete because while you know your friends and buddies are getting wasted and picking up chicks in the bar, you know you are either training hard your whatever sport you, you you're trying to, to excel in or you're working hard on your business strategy or you're hustling and trying to do uh, to, to sort of um, improve on your financials
0: yep. Yeah, yeah so that, I I, that's the I agree. Problem. There's uh, there's one quote that comes to mind uh, while you were saying this. Uh, not sure who said it. Uh, I think it was uh, that that rapper preacher guy. Uh, big, Say the quote, maybe. Yeah. Uh, the quote says, "You need to be able to sacrifice everything that you are today in order." To become what you could be tomorrow. Yeah, beautiful. So, like at any moment, you need to be able to sacrifice who you are and what you are today in order to grow. So, that kind of resonates because if you, like you said, if you have a lot of weights taking you down, there's no freedom. And I know a lot of people are, uh, a lot of people think that they would love to travel the world, you know. Uh, I did total uh, in 2019. Uh, I think I did total of almost 40 flights. I think it was 39 flights. And I spoke to a lot of people saying, oh, man, you travel a lot and you fly a lot. You were this and there. And I'm fortunate enough to have the career that, that allows me to travel and go see my friends and family whenever I want. And it takes me to amazing places with my work, which is also great. But a lot of people see, you know, stories on Instagram, posts on Facebook, uh, tweets, don't see the, the actual being uh, in an airport for 18 hours waiting and then flying for additional 12. And all that stuff that goes into travel, that it's kind of, you can survive it when you travel once or twice a year for your holidays. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm traveling for 12 hours, then I'm going to rest for two weeks, and I'm going to go home and back to work. But when that becomes your every couple of weeks it takes a toll and it drains a lot of energy. It wastes a lot of time. And I think a lot of people should try to do it before they actually make the decision and then start doing it. And then see that it's not for me and then try to go back. I think there's a lot of points to be made in terms of how about you take a pause from your current life that you are doing, uh, spend a couple of months doing what you think you would like to be doing for the rest of the life and see if it is for you and then actually making the decision yeah yeah
1: yeah there's um you know i'm just thinking while you were saying this i'm just thinking you know what are the reasons why uh people generally sort of hold back in terms of trying to expand their freedom you know and I think it's the conditioning that goes from the early childhood. It's like we are all kind of victims of the system that is trying to portray the world as something dangerous, that is sort of cutting our wings. Uh, I don't want to go into sort of, you know, sounding like a conspiracy theorist, but actually a lot of the, uh, the, the, the system has been rigged in a way to sort of create drones that were necessary for the factories and for the whole way the economy and the the the, the, the whole work style was set up you know you have shifts the factory is divided like in three shifts to maximize efficiency everybody has a specialized area where they work so you come in you just you know grind your eight hours there and you go back you know you just have dinner have a beer and you know if you have still energy you play with your kids or whatever and then you go, you go to sleep. You wake up tomorrow, etc. Because this is how basically you know we've been conditioned to to think, and our brains have physically developed to consider this like a very normal thing. So once you you sort of grow into a habit, uh, and this habit not only is a habit but like a, a, a becomes a mental model, it takes a lot of energy to change this, and then. Uh, most of the people just unfortunately don't have the necessary space or environment to 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 bring in this energy because it means you have to continuously work on that, you know. Uh, and so, unfortunately, you know, we we kind of uh, we we don't we go through our lives with just desiring to be free, but we don't actually inquire. Uh, with enough rigor like what what is what does this mean how can I how can I make the conditions to be free first of all because we are learned we are taught to think that this is outside of our own um, potential our own you know it's, it's something that somebody else can do and then with this comes the myth you need money to be free which is not true it's just an excuse you don't need money and you know money money has many different uh manifestations. Money is time, money is skills. You don't need to have necessarily the, the you know the, the cash. You can you can devote time, you can you know you can you can put your skills. You know there's there are ways today to uh, there are ways today to ne- negotiate in these yep. waters, you know?
0: Yeah you can provide value in exchange yeah. for yeah something for else. anything
1: I, basically yeah.
0: I agree. Uh one thing that uh back to your point of we have been thought to think like this is because we went to school that was like from eight to two and then high school from eight to three and it's kind of it it just molds you in this nine to five eight to four mentality of like you have one third of your days for work and then one third is for sleep and then one third is for yourself actually and then trying to break away from that template is fairly hard for a lot of people i agree and i think i'm fortunate enough to ever since i was a kid i had a strong um like i i don't don't want to say disrespect for authority but i just didn't give a shit for them so like yeah disrespect like i don't care about authority like i respect my parents but teachers were never something for me to to be for some reason like oh they are always right and i always questioned whatever they said and since I was in, in, in grade school, in in like first couple of grades, I already felt I couldn't describe it as I can today, but I felt that I was like, why do I need to spend five, six, seven, eight hours with these people that I don't like, that I consider that are so much different from me and have different ideas and whatever. And I'm learning these things that I will never use in my life. And I need to be doing this for the next 12, 14, 15 years in order to do something that I necessarily don't want to do. It just didn't make sense early on. It just felt like I could feel the glitch in the matrix. And it always felt that there's more to this than just this template of life checklist, like doing good in school, doing good in college, getting a driver's license, getting married, getting a kid, getting a good job, being there till you you retire, and then realizing that everything was for nothing and you just then die disappointed. It just kind of felt like it's rigged. And I'm fortunate enough to have parents that were uh, very lenient with me in school, especially in high school. Like I would skip school a lot because I knew that I don't care about a lot of stuff there. But I spent that time at home learning Photoshop and it turned into something that I can call a career now. So my parents were amazing enough to realize that it will develop. So actually, I think they hoped that it will develop into something that i can use later on like okay he doesn't care about chemistry but he cares about his computer thing so maybe it will take him somewhere which is a good thing but i know not everybody thinks like that is oh he's fortunate enough to have the same upbringing so now in the last couple of years i've been thinking like what can i do with my experiences and everything that i did and everything that i learned along the way to share that with people with everybody that i come across so this is one of the reasons why I do talks and workshops and conferences where like I come in and say people like hey uh do you know that you can be a freelancer you don't have to be working nine to five you know you can travel it's cheap this is my friend Gasper. this is his lecture listen to this like a lot of people are not uh like in a, a lot of people are not you know tied down with a uh You know, sick parents, marriage, kids, and they just do not know that they can actually make this step and actually go travel and and do that. So, uh, like last year when I was in Russia, uh, I was in Siberia and I did did my talk on freelancing. And then I got the same questions after during the Q&A that I did in Croatia and in UK and in South Africa. So people have the same questions and have the same wrong Uh, ideas of how the work works and how their time can be constructed and it's just great to see those people kind of have their light bulbs turn on and then i get a random tweet a couple of months later like dude i started my own thing i'm a freelancer i'm like hi from fiji like i would never go there if there wasn't you like it it makes me like feel so good and and, yeah it
1: gives you purpose
0: a sense of purpose yeah exactly yeah this is one of the things that yeah
1: yeah yeah, I think, I think, you know, a life without a purpose is a really painful life. And unfortunately, this is the life that we are asked to subscribe to from day one. You know, it's like, it's always, I remember growing up, like, you know, obviously I was, my dream was to be like a painter, right? Like I was, that was what I was doing. Like I was always the kid at the corner of the room, just sketching and drawing, et cetera. And then, you know, the the, the family was like, like all all the families, like what are you going to do with art, right? It's like you should get a proper education and find some whatever, go be an electrical engineer or whatever, which I'm not opposing to that. I think that's a very pragmatic way, but it just goes to show that, that, you know, people, the environments that most of us grow up in are very limited. And until this environment sort of, take a sort of a quantum leap uh, in terms of uh, becoming aware that, yeah, today you can pretty much make a successful career with anything. It it doesn't have to be, like you said, like you don't have to be like your grandmother, just, you know, like uh, doing one thing and it doesn't have to be even physical, you know. So hopefully, you know, these things will change but the currently the way the way the education system is set up it kind of takes uh it, it has its roots in this industrial revolution paradigm and it was mostly made to provide or to produce uh sort of um uh, working drones for the factories i mean it's not like a conspiracy it's just like the system was working that way you got a factory you want to you want to be you want to be productive you want to be efficient so in order to to accommodate for the for the workflow in a factory you have to have people with specialized knowledge and in order to do this you have to have you know shifts in the school you have to have teachers who go by a certain system they cannot move to you know they cannot stray away from that system and so it's like a vicious circle with a negative feedback loop you know but luckily you know I, I see now with the advent of new technologies, and especially I think Corona has made this clear also in education, that uh, you don't actually need the institution. You do your own learning. That was the case, I don't know if you saw that, there was like some 19-year-old Thai girl that did like nine courses from Ivy League, uh, universities, Harvard, you name it, Warden School of Business, uh, during, the, during the lockdown. So she completed like nine. She has nine certificates and she's only 19. So that's it. Like, you know, there's the new, this is the new renaissance of education where you basically choose your own uh, your own courses. You have a bunch of courses to, to pick from. You don't have to go in only one direction because this is not natural. Like we humans have so much potential and we are so multidimensional that you can be an artist at the same time, but really be good in... Uh, you know electrical engineering you know and things like that they work together really well
0: yes yeah
1: i agree i don't want to uh, be i don't want to be bashing out the educational system but <laughs> but i think you know it it it, it was it was uh, it was necessary but it's now becoming very archaic it was necessary uh, for the period of of the humanity but now i think
0: it's yeah i wouldn't call it bashing, bashing. It. i would just i would just say like it is what it is and it's the things are changing and we are changing much faster than the institutions are because you have these professors that come from this certain mindset and sort of certain principles. And now the world is changing much faster, but we, these people need to work. So basically they are not catching up with the times and it, it, it is a problem, but it will be solved in a generation or two. But I'm currently more thinking like, what can we do now to help, people now to think about what will happen in 20 years because the way they are teaching stuff and some of the stuff being learned today in a way that it is today will not be applicable in 20 years and there are some jobs that you need to go through regular schooling like if you want to be a brain surgeon you can be a freelance brain surgeon that got his certificate off of youtube i don't want to i don't want that guy operating on my head but there are stuff that you can learn you wouldn't
1: feel anything anyway, so it's
0: fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. One yeah, of the, you
1: make a good point.
0: One thing that uh, uh, that uh, I got feedback from one of my workshops was like I'm a strong advocate for, for freelancing and remote work, and I've been doing I've been saying this for past I don't know five six eight years I, I don't remember anymore. But uh, and now I kind of feel that we're in a time that I just want to print out a T-shirt saying "I told you so." Because like, like I was right, uh, but I know there are jobs that you can't be a well, I don't know freelance bank teller or a freelance uh, cashier, whatever. Like there are physical jobs that need to be still still need to be done. Uh, so it's not for everybody and some people tell me like oh what you're saying not everybody can do it of course not everybody can do it it's not that I'm not aware like oh seriously I didn't know that there couldn't be a remote postman of course Uh, everything that we are saying here is more for people working within our industry and working in IT and related fields that have the liberties we just want to help them actually understand that and i don't know if you ever watched any videos from a guy called henry rollins
1: yeah i know henry rollins but I, but, I
0: um, yeah but you you know who he is right yeah, yeah of so, course. so when i was like um uh, early 20s or something i came across one of his videos somebody uh i was like on a lawn party or something like that and uh i copied a folder with some of the like uh comedy central stand-ups it was like some short clips for stand-up comedy, and one of the clips was Henry Rollins, but it wasn't a stand-up comedy. It was like his public speak, but somebody put in the same folder. And I watched this guy like, I was watching the thing. I wasn't laughing. It wasn't. This is not a stand-up comedy, but these guys make sense. So I started yeah. watching a couple of these videos. And it was like, oh shit! Like you can do like this. This guy is putting to words everything that I was kind of feeling internally, and he expressed a lot of stuff that I was like feeling on a, a instinct level, but I just couldn't you know, put into proper context. And like, but when he said it, it, was like, oh yeah, okay, now I get it. And one of the things that I really liked was from, he went to, uh, I think it was in, he went to Baghdad uh, when it was like the shit show going on there. Yeah. And he said like, I believe that people are inherently good and people are not evil in general. And he just went there and so he's, uh, he's in his story, he says like, I'm going to go left. And I'm just going to start walking and meet people and see what happens. And he came back with some amazing stories. And I had a fortune of seeing him live last year here in London in a very small uh, venue. It was like 150 people. Uh, very, You're a lucky uh, bastard. Yeah, it was like it was one off thing. He was doing something in London, uh, totally unrelated. And he said, like, you know, I'm going to do a quick show in a small venue. And like tickets sold out in like a couple of minutes. I managed to grab one ticket uh and it was an amazing thing so uh that actually inspired me first time in my life to quit my job and just start my company it was like i saw him i was like yeah that's it i'm quitting this week and like i'm done i'm out i'm doing my own thing and just you know providing me to give everybody that i didn't agree with this proverbial middle finger and it was just very liberating and uh I want to be the same type of inspiration to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you are, man. I mean, you do a lot of uh, gigs uh, everywhere. So, you know, you're doing this podcast, even if it's just one person that sort of gets, oh, okay, I feel inspired. You know, maybe I should, maybe this isn't so hard uh, after all. You know, these two two bozos have done it. So, you know, (laughs) I can do it as well. So if you and me true. can do it,
0: anybody can do it. I agree. Yeah, which is I true, Like yeah, I wouldn't say it's not hard. It, it, it's 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 simple, but it's not easy. But if it's if it was easy, I think it wouldn't be worth it. So uh, yeah, if, if well, people those, have problems, you yeah. know. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I say if people have problems with hard, they shouldn't do stuff that are uh, against all conventions. But like the principles are simple. It is hard, but it's well worth it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, nothing is ever easy, but it's not as insurmountable as people think. And, you know, obviously I'm speaking about this idea of, hey, if you're happy working for, uh, for some other people, if you're happy renting your time, your precious time in this limited time you have on earth, and if you are happy giving that time to some organization, or whatever, you know, and, and renting your time in, in, in exchange for a salary, and you're fine with that, you're fine with, you know, getting a mortgage and, you know, just having a regular conventional life, great, you know, you're like, awesome, kudos to you, no problem. This is not like, uh, I don't want to come across as coming, you know, speaking from a from a superior position. So it's not about this lifestyle is better than that lifestyle. But it's more to me, at least, it's more about like what is your purpose on this earth? And some people are in tune with their purpose while working for some other guy, you know, or other girl. Doesn't matter. You know, and they're they're content and they're happy with that. But I wasn't, like, I couldn't find purpose in that sense. For me, the purpose is something, it's like a living organism that you sort of uh it's almost like you you i felt i i need to explore what happens when you when you try to pave your own way like i need to see how far your consciousness can develop how far you can go you know whether you can really whether you know eat sleep work is is all there is or is there something else to it you know so i mean for for anyone who is interested in exploring and getting out of the comfort zone and, and exploring more uh, sort of more deeply into the nature of existence i think that sort of quitting your job is a necessary condition it's not about quitting your job and then like you said like the proverbial middle finger that's more like a symbol for saying hey i'm re- ready to take on the challenge of growing to my like biggest potential as a human being because that is your purpose you have sort of you need to have the uh i'm i'm, I'm missing the world but uh it, you need to take responsibility to be what the the, the highest form of being you can be best version of yourself yeah the best version of yourself and it's not about self-improvement like hey you know like think positive or whatever but it's just like you are you are an organism from the day you are born you are growing you're growing physically but you, you are also need to grow mentally and you also need to grow uh spiritually and then some environments are better for growth than others you know growth only happens when there is enough stimuli and uncertainty in your life, which means getting out of the comfort zone. You know, at the at the edge of your comfort zone, that's where learning happens. So if you are staying in a very content sort of bubble of you know shiny, happy job, people, whatever, um, you're not going to grow as much. You will be happy. You will be content. You will have whatever you know. You can sort of say, okay, I'm happy with what I have. But you 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 might not necessarily take that extra step to really challenging yourself and really discovering what else is there, you know, apart from, you know, just the, the typical uh, sleep, eat, work kind of lifestyle. That's that for me is the point of, you know, quitting and showing the figure. It's like, let's, let's see what, what else is there.
0: I agree 100%. And how about we end this on that note? Because I think it's a high- note. I don't wanna end it. <laughs> I'm just getting started.
1: <laughs> no, maybe, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Maybe
0: we could we could do another one and pick up at this point and then like say, like, this is the episode two of our oh, talk. just sure, go sure. drill down because I wanna I wanna allow people to digest what we said, and whoever wants to see uh this thing go a little bit deeper than we could uh, yeah. do episode two and i'm more than happy to do it uh i think it w- we could we could go into a little bit more of a uh, philosophy of uh being the best version of yourself instead of how to uh, uh of getting out of that nine to five lifestyle
1: yeah awesome well i i hope just i hope that you know i've given at least some some value in this uh, in this you know exchange and oh you don't have to hope again. you
0: did for sure thanks, and
1: thanks so much thanks for the opportunity i mean it's always I'm, I'm always inspired you know to to speak to you and you always kind of you have this talent to get that out of me uh, which gets, gets, gets me pumping and you know like I feel like I have a light bulb now in my head you know probably after the talk I'm gonna be like hey I'm gonna go and write a novel or something you know
0: <laughs> well the, the thing is you Thanks have the same that. effect on me so thank you because this is how I feel after speaking to you so uh, thank you <laughs> this is amazing uh, yeah thank you thank you for joining me because it's already been over an hour so all I right think- We do time travel when we speak and one of the reasons why I don't want to speak to you too often because uh, a century would go by too quickly. So, (laughs) uh, That's too much. I'm (laughs) blessing. So uh, thank you for your time and uh, I hope we're going to do episode two very soon. And thank you everybody. Thanks everybody for, for tuning in, for watching this video and listening to the podcast if you're listening on audio version and please reach out either to me or to guys we are both on twitter there are links to our uh links to our profiles will be somewhere wherever you're listening i'm going to be sure that put everybody so whoever wants, whoever wants to reach out ask questions i'm sure both of us will be more than happy to to answer them
1: thank you so much uh, tom and thanks guys thanks to everyone who was tuning into this i appreciate it it means a lot to me thanks
0: thank you bye man thank you Bye. bye man